The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. I absolutely love the way that God and His will intersect with our lives. It's powerful. And He leads us on a path that we could never plan for ourselves, especially as we go through transitions and when we're seeking Him. If you've ever wondered how God can create a beautiful tapestry from the various threads of our lives, you want to stick around to hear how God's plan for Zach Millsaps took him from the U.S. to the mission field, then into corporate career, and now into starting his own business. It's a wild ride, but we know who's in control. Welcome to Leaders Moment, brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Zach's story has a really special place in my heart because He was a child, believe it or not, of a missionary family, friends of mine. And we did a lot of collaborative work in both Mexico and Central America. So Zach's a close friend, and and I'm very thankful to have him on the podcast. If you've been with us for a while, you might notice some similarities as well as some differences uh, between Zach's story and my own. And you can find in episodes 224 and 225 more details on that. Links will be in the show notes. If you're interested in taking your leadership to the next level, I want to recommend an event to you, which we do annually. It's an annual men's retreat. This year, it will be in central Mexico. And I'm talking about, obviously, 2023. This year in central Mexico. Email me at scott at fxmissions.com if you'd like more information on that. As we start our conversation with Zach, pay special attention to how God has used unexpected circumstances to form and to guide him. What a real powerful story of God's sovereignty. And uh, he's just getting started. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Millsaps. Hello, everybody. Come on in. It's warm in here. The water's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, it's been a year or two, my brother. It has been a long time since we've seen each other in person, especially, but reconnecting recently has been a joy. I mean, we've known each other for a long time now. Wow. As a percentage of your life, I could say that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're not that far apart in age. We were born in the same 
decade. No. Yep. Yep. No, well, no, not, not decade. decade. What are we talking about? hundred years, whatever that is. We're born in the same century. Yes, we were. <laughs> I barely made it. No, no, not barely. <laughs> Dude, you're a 90s kid, I think. I am a 92, 92. So 2022, this is my big 3-0 year. Has it happened yet? No, December. Okay. Okay. So, Dude, well, let me know. I'll try to join in the congratulations. And if there's a party, I always... I hate not to show up for those kind of things. So, yeah. It's going to be a party. I have three kids under 30. That was one thing I didn't expect. That's a Man. fun life uh, milestone. Yes. <laughs> Tight rotation there. Good job, parents. Good job. Is there going to be a four? Lord willing, we'll see. Right now is not the time to ask. We have a four-month-old. So it's the time to just put our heads down and put yeah. my time in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been able to bounce back, though. It looks like at least in two since you would do a case. You bounced right back. Oh, where are we going here? Let me let's get on course. I'm being silly as usual, but thank you for joining us, bro. It's been a number of years. You know, there's a lot to review here. Obviously, we've been in a series on believers in business, and we're in the middle of consolidating our podcasts. And you're one of the first episodes in the Consolidated Podcast. And I can't think really of anybody better to do that. You grew up on the mission field. You uh, lived outside the U.S. almost your entire life. And then you came back to the United States for university. And then you went into business. Did I got all that right. You nailed it. Yes, that's it. And for 10. All right. <laughs> Good. So I don't know where we start. Why don't we pitch it back to a little bit? What was it like growing up outside the United States as a, what do they call that? Third culture kid, something. I don't know. Yep. Third culture kid. Yeah. Where your home is in the in-between, right? You don't feel like you are from where you were born. You don't feel like you're from obviously where you're living and you bounce between the two, but you don't really have the home is in in between. But I love looking back on my childhood. I had a great experience growing up outside of the United States in a foreign country. I spent three years in Nicaragua and then between six and seven years in Mexico mm. between my you know, 10 and, and beyond. Left the United States at 10. So I was a little older as a kid, more established, but I'm a chameleon by nature. I'm a go with the flow and Loved every minute of living outside of the United States and then coming back to the United States to go to university and jumping ahead a little bit. But I didn't expect to end up here. That's something else to, I didn't expect to live in the United States for as long as I have. I still feel a little bit of that third culture tension, but I think it was a great experience growing up in Mexico, especially. Man, plus you've got. You could probably eat anything that's, you know, too hot for gringos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I didn't grow up in India. That would be, you know, <laughs> that's yeah, like that, that next be. level. That that's is the next, next level. level. No doubt. I just thought about this, but it's something I've recognized in traveling. You know, I think maybe a parallel for this third culture thing. And this might be ob also obvious to you. I've never heard anybody talk about it, but. You know, when you approach a physical border between countries, you get something different. It's not really, if you, I mean, if you go to Brownsville, Texas, if you go to Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, Laredo's not really Texas. 
And Nuevo Laredo is not really Mexico. Right. It's something else. And I think that third culture, there's something of a parallel right there. Absolutely. As a physical representation of what we're talking about. Border cities are not either of the places that they're either side of the border. They're a mixture of that. Do you think there were some downsides for you? Can you think about downsides from being a third culture person? I think the a big downside that comes to mind is communication breaks down where being fluent in Spanish, being fluent in English, but then have English is my native language, obviously, and speaking Spanish fluently, but yet having that gringo because I grew up 10 and on. So I didn't get those early stages of development learning Spanish like my youngest brother who speaks like he's Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. But he left the country when he was five. But I think my wife jokes with me, notices that I'll say stuff in ways that don't quite add up to her, but I'm kind of blending a communication between the two, you know, not necessarily speaking English with Spanish connotations, but just the the way that a Mexican would think about something or the way an American would think about something, I kind of blend the two. And I might think or be approaching this from the one culture, but it doesn't jive or mix well with the other. And there's a little bit of a gap that happens and a breakdown that ends up with people usually laughing and asking, what am I saying? You know, Can I repeat this <laughs> in a different way? It's gradually gotten less and less as I've lived here in the United States longer. But I think that was one thing that I struggled with. And then Hannah still points out, you know, what do you mean by this? Or I find something completely funny that none of my American friends find funny because of my Mexican background. Right. Dude, what you're saying reminds me of, I think sometimes I've been working with translators. I speak a little Spanish, probably a little more than you would remember me for. But I'm, I don't consider myself fluent. I can understand 70% of conversational Spanish. And I can communicate in first person, present tense, probably at about 50%. So I can get around bus stop and uh, restaurant Spanish. I'm okay right there. That restaurant Spanish is the most important Spanish, you know? Indeed. Claro que sí. Si. Disfrútalo. Buen provecho. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes. ¿Dónde so. está el baño? <laughs> <laughs> Rapidamente, por favor. <laughs> yes. I just remember times where working with translators or different people who were, you know, different native speakers and basically interrupting their train of thought in a different language. And they'd say, wait, I'm, I'm thinking in Spanish right now or wait, I'm thinking in English right now. And for those of us who can't think in two languages, what's that like? You know, I'm guessing uh, you could think in two languages. Yes, yes. And dream in two <laughs> languages, right? Right. Yeah. Another way to parallel this, a better way maybe, is when I translate for someone, I might not translate one for one in what word for word. I will take the idea of what they're trying to communicate and adapt it to what the audience thinks or how they would receive or it. How they so, think, right? yeah. yeah. So sometimes I'll be sitting and you have to take what they're saying and sometimes change it up a little bit for the audience. They don't know that you're doing that. <laughs> so I think that's a, it's the same idea. You, you just, two languages equal two different thought processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing to me 
I feel educated so much by other cultures, and I feel so enriched by being exposed to other cultures. So I, I think that makes you a rich man growing up in two cultures. You are not only fluent linguistically, but you're culturally fluent is what I call it in two different environments. It means you're fully functional in two different worlds. You can look around and see what's able to be seen. And you can, as you say, the chameleon aspect, you can blend right in there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I also noticed this beyond someone who grows up in another country. I see this sometimes in kids who are in the military or kids who are in some sort of family that moves around even within a country. They're still getting that multicultural experience. And you see that in the military kids as well. Less with the two languages, but still the adaptation where you kind of grow to survive. You have to adapt, adapt to the new people. And, and that carries on for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Man, I'm sure there's maybe there's some downsides we're not thinking about, or maybe it imposes some limitations. You can't be narrow-minded and travel. No, you can't. <laughs> you will get kicked real fast. There should be a warning label here on this podcast. If you want to maintain your narrow-mindedness, <laughs> stay home. <laughs> I think that's safe to say for anyone and everyone. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Beyond this podcast, that's smart. To, it doesn't mean you have to accept everything. It just means you have to listen and yeah. be willing to listen, right? Yeah. Being willing to listen. I think we all think that about ourselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the best. <laughs> the self-reinforcing lies, man. We're good at those. So... Today, you got three little ones and a wife, and you're a grown man with a beard three times better than mine. So I'm <laughs> proud of that mustache. I got to say it, if, if you could see what I'm seeing, guys. It's pride worthy. It's a, quite a mustache. Tell me, I know you said you didn't think you'd be in the States living maybe this long or after university. You didn't know that you'd be here. And you've been on a trek here in the business space and specifically. You're in video production, and mm -hmm. there's a lot about that I want to know that I don't know right now. But did you see yourself here when you walked across the platform there at Greenville? I can't remember the college name. Yeah, Dave. North Greenville. You got Greenville right, though. So North Greenville University, a small school that no one's probably ever heard of. So I made videos with my friends in Mexico. And I loved making dumb videos that we would show at youth group or whatever. Like my first video was, was how not to evangelize. And it was a, a skit video of us just doing dumb things that doesn't work out in real life. And I love making people laugh. And I love going after that in video form and yeah. storytelling and, and short form comedy. And I went to college, thought, okay, I don't want to go to college in the first place, but I ended up going for business because, okay, I got to figure out if I'm going to go to do something, I might as well figure out how to make money, right? Yeah, right. And I kept making videos on the side with my friends and the friends that I met at the university and pivoted in the middle of that to English literature because I realized oh, I should study storytelling and that's the true depth of good quality storytelling is found in books. You know, I like movies. A lot of movies are adapted from great stories and books. So graduated with an English literature degree. The whole time, I just kept making videos with my friends, 
kept doing fun things on the side. Everyone was like, oh, do you, are you in the media department? No, I'm not in the media department. And the reason I wasn't was because it was a terrible department. <laughs> I didn't see anything for me. But when I graduated, I had made enough videos with enough people that it evolved into this, hey, Zach, would you help us? We'll pay you to do you know, to help make a video. I ended up getting hired at a video production company that saw a really dumb video I made and thought it was hilarious and brought me on to their team. And I worked there for about three, three and a half years and cut my teeth in the corporate video world and got to travel all over and do a ton of work for billion dollar brands and got to really learn what it's like to be on that side of things where now I'm getting paid to do what I love. and, And it's evolved from there. So long story short. There's a lot there, bro, in terms of what we could unpack. But uh, there's a lot there. Do you think that your time in the corporate space there, that first three and a half years, did it improve your ability to uh, storytell? Yeah. The fun thing is, I say cut my teeth. I got to go out and trial and error a lot of different things that I've been learning and growing in on my own, on the side with my friends, things that I knew worked, things that I knew based on what I had done. And I got to bring it into these corporate video shoots and video projects. And I'm a director by nature. I didn't know what the title was for the longest time. I just got my friends together. But the official title, I realized that I'm a producer director. So I produce content get the people together, and I direct it. I tell them what to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I write, you know, I write what we're doing as well, but that's more fluid. I'm open to you know, doing what other people have. But going into the corporate space, I learned that it's a whole different language, for one. Corporate structure and working with someone who is higher up versus lower versus who approves the budgets. And it's such a slow process. But I really got to experience what that process was, learn it. And there were some things about the production company that I thought weren't lining up with what I wanted for my life. I kind of wanted to dive more into the the creative aspect to tell the story more. And then one day I just realized I need to part ways and go and do my own thing. So after right. three and a half years, getting to learn and experiment and experience the corporate world and did a work all over the United States. So I got to see every city and got to do that fun thing, landed with starting my own thing. So I went off and became a freelance producer and director and then been doing that for the past four years. And now I'm culminating that into a new company. But I'll pause there, you know, to tease it out. Yeah, that was a good, good technique there. Wow, man. So you're fitting into a much larger structure over that first phase, you know, you're getting caught in the gears and, you know, you know, like, it's funny how everything has its own language, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's got, it's kind of its own tongue, if you will, even though that we're all speaking English, doesn't mean we understand each other or that we're even using words that apply in the context. That had to be a lot of growth. And then you fell into the entrepreneurial vein in that transition Did you retain any of the former relationships that you had, people you'd worked for? Was that a source of work for you? Yep, that is exactly how I transitioned. One thing that I was concerned about is how am I going to transition into doing full-time freelancing? 
I mean, I'm a big people person. I love getting to know people. And that comes from, I think, that third culture, you know, what we talked at the beginning. I, I just... Yeah. I'm a chameleon. I sit with new people and I love it. Like I thrive. I get to talk to them and I adapt to their language and their life. And moving in that vein, I've built a lot of relationships in those three and a half years and even have a great relationship with the owner of the production company that I worked with. I parted ways on a good footing where I started telling people, hey, I'm I'm thinking about making this change. I'm looking to do some work here after, you know, this month. And I slowly started saying yes to projects or adapting it to the production company schedule. And my transition was just like smooth as butter. It was a great transition. It went from me working at the production company to me working on all these side jobs. I had kind of accrued over a couple of months of just me kind of prepping people that I'm doing this. And and then um, and then over the years, my relationships over those three years of working under that company have evolved into what it is today. Again, still full-time with a bunch of different companies that I knew from six or seven years ago. Well, that's cool that it went that smoothly. I got to say, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, I got to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was, it was definitely the Lord's timing. On my end, I yeah. prayed a lot about it. That's a big decision to make. And I had my first daughter was born, and I was really feeling itching, you know, for that yeah. change. Yeah. And it was kind of that. It's a leap of faith. It's a do or die moment and that a lot of people feel. And one disclaimer I want to put is I also wanted to be respectful of the ways that people invested in me. And so yes. I didn't want to go back and pull clients from the production company. I actually didn't sign anything to say that I wasn't allowed to do that. Right. They had everyone sign them right after I left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're like, oh, whoops, whoops. I knew that if I kept on this path and if I didn't go and start abusing kind of the relationships that had set me up for success, that it'll pay dividends later. That's what happened. Those relationships with that production company ended up parting ways. And then they came to me, you know, it was a very natural progression that I had no part of that I think is key to mention that make sure that that's understood that I didn't, you know, leave and then take those relationships with me. Right. You're mentioning something very key. I think if we don't learn that right the first time, we always get a second shot. Disrespecting relationships that have added value to you is, I mean, it's kind of like that whole honor your predecessor. Mm -hmm. The shortcut with the neon signs that are pointing the way to, uh, you know, rapid reward says everything else, but don't fall for that. You no. know, and you didn't. So that's uh, good on you. And I think good also on your family and all those relationships. You didn't create a wasteland. I think sometimes in our entrepreneurial quest, you know, we're tempted to be less sensitive to the relationship capital yes. that we have. We can make a big withdrawal against that. Oh, it's interesting is I feel that way more now than I did back then starting this new business, which I'll talk about soon. But I'm service-based, so I charge for a video. Someone says, Zach, I need a video. What kind of video? Okay, that sounds great. I'll show up this day. Here's the cost. I'll show up this day. I'll edit the video. Here's the video. So it's pretty simple. When I transitioned out, I knew there was going to be a period where I said, All right, I'm going to say yes to everything. You know, I'll do any kind of video within reason, obviously. I'll shoot your wedding. I'll shoot this small video for a small mom and pop shop. I went from 
six-figure projects that were these big, massive productions down to filming a wedding, which is not necessarily was my end goal to film weddings. I don't now... And I love the people who do, but that's definitely not for me. <laughs> respect but the people who do. I too, respect right? the people who do. Yes. <laughs> you know, after filming a lot of weddings. But I think that's something also to note is transitioning out set me back a ton from my goals. But yet I knew in the long term it would put me past where I felt like I could go because at that production company, I was subjected to the owner's vision and the owner's vision and my vision didn't match up. And I wanted to do bigger things, more creative in the storytelling to make sure the clients get better videos and better projects. And there was a disconnect there. And that's when I left and realized, okay, I got to just I got to do a camp video. I got to do the wedding. I got to do the nonprofit video that won't pay me anything just to get those relationships and build that up. And putting that time in now, I still work with people that I said yes to back then that are paying way more now, you know? So it's a grind. Yeah. I think your willingness to serve in whatever capacity that you could add value was something of a stroke of genius. Maybe you didn't know it at the time. It turns out that that was a really wise thing to do. It's definitely genius is, is <laughs> hindsight. <laughs> yeah, you did, you, it wasn't self-affirming at the time, but the fruit has pointed to the tree, you know. It, right. And that's exactly it. What are you working on now? What's right there in the viewfinder for the next phase here? You're working on a change, another change, another change, another change. I realized that there's a huge gap in the friendship bracelet market. And I thought that there was, <laughs> I thought the way that Coca-Cola had names for every, no, all right, I'll stop there. I realized that what my favorite part of the video making process was and is still is making sure the idea and the creative is the best version of what we're going to do. And I think a lot of times I discovered that in the corporate process, uh, the need to make a video was more important than what the video actually was. So a lot of people would say, Hey, Zach, you know, my boss said I need to make a video and or, you know, I need this video. And they would come to me and just kind of give me my prompt. I would stop and ask, wait, 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 can we talk about why or what the goals were? And they would, they loved that. And I loved those conversations. And also, I'm a big ideas person, and bringing the people to the table to make any idea happen is what I do. That's a producer's job. Right. So it scales. If we want to go big, we can go big. If we want to go small, we can go small. But to spend time asking why is super important because it, back to paying dividends, it gives you the ROI on that spend with that video. And I've seen hundreds of thousands of dollars be poured into videos that get like 100 views, but they're super proud of it. Because the video was made and in the corporate world, the higher I go, the less money matters. You know, it's like a budget number. Yeah, right. It's a figure out there. It's not real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not real to them. And so I realized that what I needed to do was to step in and own that space of asking why and putting effort into making the video as successful as it can be. And so I'm launching a marketing agency called Namebrand that only focuses on that video content process to make it the best 
video that it can be for the client. And so we focus on three things. We focus on the idea, we focus on making it, and we focus on where it goes, whether that's an ad spend or whether that's on organic channels, whatever. So we own the whole process because we want to make sure that that video works as best as it can. So it's not a huge transition from what I do already. I'm a contract producer and director. I make things. But now I'm saying, hey, 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 instead of just making something, can we develop the strategy that makes this the best thing that it could be for what your goals and aspirations are with the business? And so far, seen a lot of success. I said launching, but it is actually launched. So I'm already working and I've got some really great responses from the clients that I have. And so I, I realized that aha moment you always got to be thinking about what you're doing. And is this the right direction for what I'm doing? And you've seen that in my history of, you know, the production company and the freelance, you know, leaving the production company and then starting this. It's like every three to four years, I'm kind of upgrading or evolving what I'm doing, because I'm realizing that direction, I'm just kind of honing in on that what I'm what I want to do is provide the most value to the people that I work with. And that's how I saw it. Wow, dude. Well, congratulations. I got to applaud your courage. Okay. Honestly, I'm not trying to flatter you, but it takes courage. There's a cost to change that not everyone's ready to spend. If we consider ourselves courageous people, I think many of us will consider ourselves courageous. You know, it's still, you kind of feel that, you know, you kind of feel that the oxygen's out of the room, right? Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know, you feel that step into nothingness. I got to say, you know, good work, friend. Good job. The future is is fraught with uncertainty and its highs and its lows and everything else. I just want to say, as a senior gentleman, uh, <laughs> I mean, not totally senior, but, you know, as a guy, you know, your dad's age, I want to say, I'm proud of you, man. Oh, thank you. Obviously, any plan, this is a Drucker statement. You may not know Peter Drucker, but you might. He said any plan that doesn't quickly devolve into hard work has no chance of succeeding. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing your plans have devolved into a lot of hard work already. (laughs) Yes, yes. I will jump in and say it. Oh, it's absolutely terrifying. If anyone says otherwise, they're lying or deluded or delusional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have moments, right? Moments where you're at, you ask yourself, what am I doing? You know, leaving the production company or doing this transition, what am I doing? And then there's those moments where you see success. And I was talking to a friend at lunch today about this, and he was also commending me for doing this. And he said, it's just, there's so many no's you have to go through to get that yes. And I, he's like, I don't think I'm I'm capable of a person to do that. And I think that is it. You just have to be prepared for a lot of no's, a lot of moments where you're just doing stuff you don't want to do for that end goal. And And I've seen it work once, twice. We'll see if it works again. If it doesn't, there's always the friendship bracelet business. I've got that on the back end, so... <laughs> yes, and you know Coke did have a good plan in that uh, naming each variety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they there's a reason they're at the top. But yeah, so to anyone who's out there thinking I can't do that, well, no, 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 you can, you can. I'm not any different than anyone else, <laughs> right? Yeah, 
you know, we come up with all these uh, stereotypical images and we get these ideas that are like calcified in our minds, very precise about the way an entrepreneur is. Those are fictional, you know, fictional kind of uh, constructs. Yep. You know, entrepreneurs look like there is a wide variety of humanity with different personalities, different, you know, desires different objectives, different things, you know, they're all across the board. So I don't think there's anybody who can't necessarily like hard fixed. You can't do this. Some won't. (laughs) If you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you're right. I mean, I've surely you've heard that he who dares wins. If you don't dare, don't worry. (laughs) You're not going to win. You know, there's going to be some daring there. So I applaud that in your story. We got about five minutes left in our podcast, and that's not nearly enough time. No, not enough. Not enough. You know, not only am I celebrating a chance to converse with you again as a a grown adult, uh, you know, I've got these like very cool and precious memories of us being on the road in Nicaragua and this Mm -hmm. and that, you know, crazy times in Mexico and Some of your stories, your buddy Danny, I think it was, or, yeah. you know, who you made the videos with, even way back then. So it just did a lot of fond and cherished reflections. Mm. I appreciate that. Let's switch gears a little bit here. I'm not sure which gear we're going to get in. We got about, like <laughs> I said, just a few minutes left. I want to make sure and cover anything that's on your list that we haven't gotten to. And then I'm going to pitch you after we stop the recording. On this really, really, really important nonprofit who needs a video director. I am I am all about that. I am I am this the whole reason I said yes to this was to no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we can pitch each other on our project right after this, man. We're doing Yeah, I've got something for you. All right. So and something this is for everybody. Beyond building businesses and doing this full time. As you probably imagine, I mentioned that I make videos for fun. I actually collaborate with a viral YouTube Christian comedy channel that I think everyone, even if you're not Christian, wherever you stand, there's a lot of humor in there for everyone. But it's specifically based on poking fun at the church and things that we grew up with that you know we need to poke fun at. It's great. In that, or just released, depending on when you listen to this, a project that has been a long time in the making, and I'm super excited for anyone to watch it. We reimagined a Christian superhero from the early 2000s called Bible Man. Okay. And we put an HBO dark spin on it as a (laughs) fake movie trailer. And I'm hoping that you've seen it or that you're about to see it, but look up Bible Man movie on YouTube and check it out right after this. And you'll see that, yes, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm entrepreneurial and I go after, you know, I'm working in the corporate space, but I also am still keeping that Zach that started making videos and doing it even to today. I'm making these videos with my friends that are scaled up because we've all grown in our expertise, (laughs) but reimagining ridiculous things and doing really funny things in this space the end goal on that end is in the next five to 10 years, I'd love to direct a movie in the Christian space that is comedy and ridiculous, but pushing forward some quality messaging in a space that is just 
movies today are just trash for the most part. So that's a space that I've wanted to explore since the beginning, but it's not really conducive for a healthy family life. So I I put that on the side and said, I'm going to go after the corporate space, which I can really do well and grow my talent and skills there and, and then continue to do these fun side things. But movie making and doing television is going to be in the next five to 10 years, but you'll get to see a glimpse of me in action with Bible Man, the movie. Bible Man, the movie. I'm thinking of that guy who used to voice all the trailers in the 80s. Why did yeah. every trailer start out with, in a world where? Fill in the blank. Yeah, I promise this one doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I had forgotten all about that guy. He used to do all the trailers. And then I watched some old VHS the other day, and I said, oh, there's that guy again. <laughs> He's always in your heart. We'll backlink here, and we also want to, as we're shutting up shop here, we want to make sure if someone wants to know more about what you're doing or you or make contact with you, how would we get somebody you know, in contact with you? Is there an email or your site or what? Yes, um, email is the best way to reach me, and I would love to talk to you. Z-A-C-K, Zach, Z-A-C-K at namebrand.tv. So Namebrand is the marketing agency. And you can go to the website, namebrand.tv, to learn more. But definitely reach out to me. I have Twitter, who is Zach M, Zach with a K. And then we can just connect anywhere that, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, all the things. I've got to get a Twitter tutor. Someone told me I need a Twitter tutor. Maybe you could tutor me on Twitter. I'll tutor you some tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to fight on Twitter. I love Twitter. Oh, I love Twitter. It's it's a mess, but it's it's a beautiful mess. So, See, I don't see the light yet. I need to be enlightened. Pick your poison. That's what it is. Pick your poison <laughs> and, and drink it slowly. <laughs> yeah, slowly. Ruminate the poison. Anyway, bro, thank you so, so much for being thank here. Thank you for having me. Very, very thankful to get you on the mic. We've been trying for a couple of years, and yeah, here we are. We'll backlink all that stuff, and please, you know, Keep your mind open to the possibility of joining us again. And yes, after we stop recording, I'm going to pitch the nonprofit. Uh, yes, <laughs> a small, <laughs> a small nonprofit that you've never heard of. <laughs> a very small nonprofit you have certainly never heard of. Need your help, yes, Zach. Thank yes. you. Bless you, bro. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. I'd like to give a. Huge thank you to Zach for sharing his story. I really appreciate what he said about transition and how God's continued to lead him, even here and there, mission field, corporate, business. It's amazing how God can lead us into different places and keep our eyes on him, regardless of what it is that we're doing whether that's inside or outside the U.S. or inside or outside our comfort zone. If this was meaningful to you, I'd ask you to add FX Missions and this podcast to your prayer list. That way we can be fruitful in God's kingdom and we can continue to have insight, wisdom, and direction from the Lord. And that's what we ask you to pray for, to be able to do all that he has for us We want to do that. Of all the things I'd like to ask for, your prayers are truly what I would like most for me, for the team, and for what God has in the future. 
If you're in on that, please take a second and let me know by email, scott at fxmissions.com. You'll find that uh, linked up in the show notes as well. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. Thanks again.